the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Continue to enjoy your best lawn ever with Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Contact them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025 or online, LawnDoctor.com. A lot more summer ahead plus the fall. Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call for a free quote today, 401-392-1025. Find out also about keeping your family safe from ticks and mosquitoes, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Check out their website. It's LawnDoctor.com or call today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It is Monday and it is, um, well, what a mess in Afghanistan. And folks, the amount of money, 2,500 American lives lost, never mind how many are injured, amount of time we spent there 83 billion dollars spent and then the biden administration um it's just it's a black eye it is disgraceful let alone now uh the white house press person jen saki isn't even around president is not commenting this is uh if you look at what's going on over there it's total chaos i want to go to some of the sound this is uh, richard angle in um kabul afghanistan and and this is just a complete disgrace to our country with what is playing out in front of the world the taliban's takeover of all of afghanistan is nearly complete it is a matter of time and it could be a short time before taliban falls into the taliban hands right now there are negotiations being held between the taliban and the afghan government those are effectively surrender negotiations in which the afghan government would resign hand over to a transition government that would be led by the Taliban. Folks, the fact that the Taliban, the Taliban is going to be in charge coming up on the 20th anniversary is is just disgraceful. Let's go to some of the Sunday shows and they talk about just watching it play out right now. I mean, Phil, the, President Biden was focused on this every bit as much as, by the way, Donald Trump was, but more successful in overruling uh, the military advice because he had military advice from his secretary of defense from his chairman of, of the joint chiefs of staff to leave some force in afghanistan at least for a while that's right john and this has been planned for months this exit was known about in washington for a long time and what's amazing is president biden ran for office as the foreign policy expert decades of service in the senate foreign relations committee and yet look at how uh poorly planned this seems to be right now it is a calamity playing out hour by hour on television and one that the experts in the government here had not anticipated happening and it speaks to how challenging the situation is but it also raises some serious questions about the lack of intelligence or lack of foresight among the national security team to not foresee that that these cities could fall so quickly and the fate of those who worked with the United States. Absolutely. And by the way, it's not just those who literally worked for the embassy or worked as interpreters. It's those who worked for Western organizations that were there, yes. you know, nonprofits, news organizations. Yeah. And all they of, are going to be on the target list for the Taliban. And the Afghan journalists who now have to go into hiding, can't reveal who they are, can't reveal where they are. All of these people are under threat, and the U.S. cannot really do anything at this point to save Folks, all. what an absolute disgrace. And, of course, right now, uh, I mean, th- this is this this is insanity how and the the president is is nowhere to be found absolutely disgraceful and no reason for this to be playing out this way afghanistan and set a deadline for them to all be out of the country by may 1st is he passing the buck here uh, well, yes, but on that narrow point, he is correct. There was a, an agreement that was negotiated by the Trump administration directly with the Taliban that called for the complete withdrawal of U.S. troops in Afghanistan by May 1st. What you are seeing on the ground right now in Afghanistan is, in a very real sense, the Trump-Biden policy. Because the bottom line is Biden agreed with uh, the move to withdraw. He, in fact, pushed it back a bit from May 1st uh, to saying troops would be gone 
down by September 11th. But the bottom line is that both men, uh, Trump and Biden, wanted to get out of Afghanistan and to get out entirely uh, and felt that after 20 years of war, it was time for Americans to come home. But Biden is the president. Biden yes. owns the responsibility yes. for the way this is being done right now. And his military advisors, as you heard Martha Raddatz refer to, uh, his military advisors advised against a precipitous rapid withdrawal. They wanted for at least a time to see a force remain in uh, Afghanistan. That, that agreement with the Taliban, it didn't include the Afghan government, not at all. There was no agreement between the Taliban and the Afghan government. And uh, the military leadership and many others uh, urged pr President Biden to hold back, at least for a while, before pulling all U.S. troops out. Uh. Did the Taliban's rapid takeover really come as a surprise? What was U.S. intelligence saying would happen? Well, certainly the complete and total collapse within days of the Afghan uh, security forces uh, did come as a surprise, the speed of that collapse, but not the fact of the collapse. In fact, uh, in April, just a week before President Biden announced uh, his withdrawal plan, the, D the DNI, President Biden's top intelligence advisors, warned uh, that the uh, Afghan government was unlikely to be able to hold back the Taliban. And there was a study put out by the Afghanistan Study Group. This was chaired uh, by the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Joseph Dunford, and it was bipartisan in February, warned of almost exactly what we're seeing here. Let me quote one line from their report. Bipartisan report, very well respected, said a withdrawal would not only leave America more vulnerable to terrorist threats, it would also have catastrophic effects in Afghanistan. That was a report, bipartisan report, put out in February. What an absolute disgrace, folks. And, and now... I mean, as you're watching this whole thing, as we are, come apart at the seams. We, we, where is this? It's, it's the opposite of ending a war. It's the beginning of an ending a war. But the Biden administration completely caught off guard here. Um, it is a calamity. It's an embarrassment to the United States. And th this absolutely... I want to hear some of the latest now. Do you feel like the national security team are superheroes? They're clinging to the U.S. airplanes as they're trying to take off from Kabul. Let me hear some of the latest of this. Be good stewards of America's role in this world and um, focus on American diplomacy. That in and of itself, um, being a rebuke of President Trump, is uh, underscores what we've been all been living through in the last four years, which is a president who wanted to be more isolationist who wanted to pull back. Um, what we saw today, I was, I was sitting in that room in Wilmington, um, I was thinking about the fact that Joe Biden, in some ways, first supported is fulfilling the promises that he made on the campaign. Charlie said he oh, wanted to have a campaign God. that looked like America. And there were people there on that stage, of course, talking about all of their different accolades and their experience, but they were also talking about their families who survived the Holocaust, who survived communism, oh, communists, who talked about... Um, having gumbo diplomacy, cooking food, cooking oh. food, as, as the United mm -hmm. Nations ambassador was saying. Um, all of those things are what America is about. It's this melting pot. The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a Democrat who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from this, this <laughs> craziness that we've all lived through for the last yeah. three years. And now, I wonder how they years. feel now. I wonder how they feel now in watching that. I wonder how they uh, feel now as they're watching people literally falling off the outside of airplanes as they're trying to take off. Folks, we're going to have that. We're going to have more. It's also uh, politics this week. A lot more ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. 
MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This summer, let J.K.L. Engineering keep you and your family nice and cool. J.K.L. Engineering. Call them today, 401-351-7600. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. J.K.L. It's going to be a hot summer ahead. Call J.K.L. Engineering today. Estimates are free. Financing is available. Remember, with J.K.L., 54 years in business, reputation is second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. J.K.L. is an approved National Grid VPI installer. They're also a Navian certified factory dealer. Call J.K.L. for a system replacement, oil to gas for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available this summer. Call J.K.L. Engineering right now. Remember, they do it right. They do it right the first time. They'll keep you and your family or your employees nice and cool. Call JKL, 401-351-7600. Remember, JKL Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, a carrier factory authorized dealer. It's JKL. Call them, 401-351-7600. This summer, stay nice and cool with JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600. You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. can always listen online at the website, which is DePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining me, he is the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, I'd like to um, start off with, I, I just think it's terrible politics, <clears throat> but I'm talking about Secretary of State, Nelly Gorbia, and then also General Treasurer, Seth Magaziner, kind of jumping all over Governor McKee, who did not issue a statewide mask mandate, and certainly not for the schools. And this is basically where we're at now, where, you know, the governor seemingly is trying to navigate his way through this and whole thing. And and they're using this as an opportunity now to just to inject politics. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, on something like this, you would you you kind of ask yourself do, do, do these decisions ever rise above politics is there ever are we ever going to get back to a place where it's you know, the candidates for office are all saying things like you know there are, there are good arguments on both sides and uh, i'm going to campaign on other things besides a, a public health issue like this what was really striking to me though in contrast with especially other states, particularly down south, is it's not as if the governor issued a ban, which some governors have done, a, a ban on masks for children. Um, that would be a kind of a different matter. But he, in, in Rhode Island, it's apparently beyond the pale for a governor not to issue top-down mandates for the entire state. It kind of makes me wonder what Gorbea and Magaziner think we have school boards and superintendents for uh, if they're, you know, it's as if they think every local government and government body in the state is really just an administrative agency at the direction of the governor. And that's a, that's a concerning development that people are taking that for granted. How do you think, um, what do you think of the way governor McKee has approached things thus far? Well, I, I think he's as, as illustrated by his opposition, he's more reasonable, uh, particularly on this issue, than they are. Um, I, I I think it's the right call not to impose a mandate. I right. I think there's a bit more. I, I think there's a bit more of the you know pushing of the we strongly suggest language. Uh, I just don't. I don't think the numbers justify it. And I think you know at the end of the day, the 
emergency declaration should be gone. I mean, that's that's kind of the underlying point people tend to forget is it's an emergency declaration that's giving the governor these supposed powers and we're not in an emergency. I mean, it's a crisis, perhaps it's it's a public health concern, but it's not an emergency. To, so if, when we watch the General Assembly, mem- was the 32 members of the General Assembly or something like that, so roughly a third coming out and saying the governor should issue an executive order, you're in the legislature, convene, pass right. a law, but they don't want to do that. They want no. to they want to put it all on him. They they like this whole thing. Um and a, a lot of the, the argument that goes behind it, uh, Gorbea relied very heavily, and mag- Magazine as well, on a statement from the Rhode Island chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, which, in my view, and I wrote about this on Anchorizing, the, is, is just irresponsible. They make statements like there's, there's no evidence. No, it doesn't say there's no evidence. It says there is no threat to any of our children of wearing a mask. You just can't say that. And they say psychological yeah. or physical. It's just you don't know if there's there could be one child out there who has a psychological issue and a mask will drive them crazy and they'll do something harmful. Who knows? You But you can't make a statement like that for the entire state. So it's just irresponsible. And I, I dug into that a bit. And uh, that letter was signed by five out of only only five of 19 members of the leadership of that organization in Rhode Island. Uh, and one of those five is a major Gorbea donor. So, you know, it really starts to feel political, which which is a shame. And so it's it's good that McKee is kind of standing up to it a little bit, at least as, as much as he is. Although, again, I think he ought to just say, look, the the mask, the, the emergency is over. The legislature needs to get in, in gear. Um, and I think to me, the the real what we're really seeing with this whole delta variant panic and all that is what makes the folks comfortable the, the people who want the gorbeas and magaziners of the world to impose mandates on everybody what makes them they're, they're not i don't think so much concerned about the virus at this point as they are it makes them feel comfortable when they know that their politician can tell everybody what to do I think that's yes. the comfort that people are seeking right now. And, and that's, that's kind of, I don't know that, it, you know, everybody, people say uh, COVID is, is really about control. Uh, that's, that's true to an extent. I, I, I don't know that it's deliberately an attempt to impose socialism on the country, although it may be that. I think to some extent, to the larger extent, it's just, they, they feel like as long as they know that if something really happened, their people in government could force everybody to stay home and, or do like Australia, you arrest people for leaving the house. Um, they like the idea that that can be done, which is, you know, coming after four years attacking Donald Trump as some kind of tyrant, you'd think they'd be a little bit wary of wanting government with that much power. But I, th- I think that's really what we're seeing with the Delta variant panic. Folks, our segment is politics this week with me is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, I also saw, and I was glad you did it, you know, there's just nothing beyond the bounds of this crowd. I saw the, the you know, the, the individual that takes to social media and starts taking the percentage of children uh, that could die. And then they they implement it into Rhode Island. And then, you know, it's this this line they've been using of, OK, so, you know, pick which of the 186 kids. And <clears throat> I was glad you went and corrected it and said that that would not apply that formula in in rhode island they they if if people follow the type of logic they're trying to implement here which first of all isn't even accurate but no no child would ever get in a, in, a, in a car or go on an airplane or ever ride a bike or or ever leave their house based on this type of math that they try to put forward oh yeah it's a, and it's that conversation it was a state legislator uh it's truly at the end of the day a debate trap where, where they get you to have to say how many lives are acceptable yeah. um and they, they start by these outrageous numbers i keep hearing that well she, i think she used the the death percentage for all people which doesn't apply to children first of all and certainly right. not on children which we have data on uh so instantly she's saying what was it 182 children will die which i think assumes that every child in the state becomes effect, infected but even if you assume that it turns out to be more like nine possibly um and at that at that level you you really there's another side of the equation which is how many and that's what i tried to do is turn it back on her was how many 
suicides and overdoses are you willing to accept? Yeah. Uh, because that's that's really what it becomes. It's not there are trade-offs. It's kind of it's, it's disappointing we've we've really thrown away our our insistence that people be adults and have a mature understanding of of reality because you cannot prevent every death. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Right. And you None of us are qualified. Even the experts are not qualified to dictate and make the life and death decisions for everybody. And so what you're left with is everybody taking advice, uh, taking responsibility for themselves and, you know, backing off. I mean, you, you, it really becomes so complicated, complex to make these decisions, not only on health and who lives and dies, but the precedent. So if we start saying that with COVID, we have to prevent every child death, as you say, what's next? Bicycles or, or any going outdoors. We have to wrap our children in bubble wrap or something. I, I, you just, it, it doesn't stop once you cross that line and you, you give up your freedom and even your humanity. And that's really the consequence of that kind of, I, I don't think we're, teaching logic or even valuing it so much these days so somebody like that can say that and you get tons of they get tons of likes because the, the, the choir that's what they want to hear <laughs> that's right that is exactly right folks we're going to take a quick break a lot more justin katz managing editor anchorizing.com our segment is politics this week right here on the john DePietro show Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for Mega MEGA, Mega truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station. Trailer pickup and delivery. 24-hour mobile service. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401 401- 321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Calvino, call for a free consultation today, 401-785-9400, or online, fightbackcalljack.com, where you or a friend or a member of your family in an auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall, workplace injury, fight back, Call Jack, free consultation, 401-785-9400. 50 years personal injury law experience and his office, 100 years combined total with the staff. Fight back. Call Jack, 401-785-9400. It would be great if you were in an auto accident, motorcycle accident, slip and fall workplace injury, and the other person's insurance company offered to compensate you what they should but it doesn't happen that way. You need a fighter. Fight back. Call Jack. Free consultation. 401-785-9400. Jack Calvino. 401-785-9400. Or online, fightbackcalljack.com. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, managing editor at anchorizing.com. Justin, I want to just touch on Governor McKee again. I, I'll say this. He was consistent. When um, when he did get into office, I believe, you know, if you remember, Governor Rundo was really calling out Warwick teachers. And I think another group was saying, you know, they really threw in the towel on those kids. I think he at the time when he first came in said he thought it should be individual local decisions that are being made. And so I'll say this. I think he's being consistent regarding these people that are demanding 
a statewide mask mandate and saying, no, I'm going to leave it up to the different districts. And if you if you look at that, to me, that makes far more sense, because as we live through Dr. Scott trying to say equity and everyone must be treated the same, as I've said, I've never understood that where you had, you know, outbreaks, Providence and Central Falls really, really bad uh, the summer of last summer. 2020 or the beginning of it um in, in but then treating them the same as jamestown and block island that had like virtually none so i'm going to say this i mean we'll see how this thing plays out and i think it is going to be tough waters to navigate but i think the i think the governor has a better approach to you you don't treat every community the same let them locally decide what type of quote mandates they should be making Oh, exactly. That's why we have levels of government. I mean, so yep. people can not only can can every every town, city, school district decide, you know, what their circumstances require, but also so that everybody has a say. I mean, I even in in Tiverton locally, you know, you can watch the uh, you can watch the the parents come out and and make their points, make their arguments. They have a community discussion, and the local officials take that as under advisement uh, and it, it's not perfect by any means, but that's what you get when you've got the governor just issuing mandates, you don't get any of that feedback. You have no rights. So I think that's, that's the real thing. Uh, I think it's, and as a, as a former mayor of Cumberland, he has, he has that experience of, you know, he, he's not just going to casually dismiss a local government as just, just functionaries. They, they have a role. They were elected and appointed for particular purposes yeah. and it's there's just no need for the state to impose it if it makes sense to do they'll all do it and then uh, barring you know if, if you got to the point i think what they're really afraid of is some somebody you know i don't pick pick a more conservative area say burlville you know they'll, they'll declare no masks in burlville schools and then there'll be a, an outbreak in burlville and and it'll spread to the rest of the state maybe when you start to see evidence of that happening you have some kind of a case, but to, to start imposing higher mandates, but to start there, uh, I think he's, he's entirely right to say, no, they'll, they'll make the right decisions. Of course, I suspect he expects everybody to impose mandates locally, uh, which takes pressure off him, but uh, he, he's, and whether, whether it's a uh, political necessity or not, I think he's uh, he's making the right call anyway, at least as far as not mandating it. Now the healthcare workers apparently are rallying together that has been the governor has said they they have to get the vaccine healthcare workers in the state and they're going to be rallying together now they have this guy who's he's running for governor even though he's never run for anything before and he's kind of spearheading it i i think the language is a little extreme we will be united we will not be broken we will fight the government um Justin Katz and I, this Thursday, I believe they're having a, uh, trying to have a rally at the state house. What, what is your thought on the healthcare workers trying to fight against a? It's going to be mandatory if you want to be a healthcare worker in the state, you have to get the vaccine. Well, I, I think they they've, they've got a very strong case on, on on multiple points. I mean, I I could understand you know if I go into a local store and all the employees are wearing masks, presumably because their boss required it. Uh, I can understand that on a on a level of a company organization deciding we're going to do this, whether it's for our own health or just to make our customers feel happy or feel secure. That I I, I don't see the state top down mandate. And I think to me the the real marker of of the problem. And with with the way we're approaching this virus is I don't see any any allowance you can get a health waiver but not not for having had the virus so you could you could have had COVID recovered you could have an even stronger uh, immune response than a, a vaccine perhaps and you still have to get the vaccine mandated under law I mean that the fact that that's not part of the conversation I think illustrates how it, how it's really just political. Uh, rear end covering. And so I think the, the healthcare workers do have a, a strong case. And I, one thing I think the politicians might be missing is the the damage, uh, you know, by kind of not 
working with those folks who have concerns in the healthcare about the vaccine, I think they, they're under value, underplaying the damage it does to other people's impressions when they see healthcare workers fighting against the vaccine. Yes. Uh, that's, that has a, I've seen lot, plenty of comments on social media about, about that kind of thing. And a lot of people take that as confirmation. So I, I don't know that our, our elected and appointed officials are really looking at this, the multiple layers of the, of these kind of mandates when you when you start that fight and people push back and it doesn't take a whole lot you start getting headlines about you know, healthcare workers fighting vaccine mandate uh, that makes other people concerned and so in the larger picture you might be by mandating that they get vaccinated you might be you know suppressing the state's total vaccine rate. Good point. Uh, and another thing that strikes me is it's it's valid on October 1st which is you know a month in, time. Uh, and so a month from now, this little mini surge we're, we we're apparently seeing might be might have gone away or uh, the, we might the, the efficiency of the vaccine might be even lower, in which case, you know, you're mandating people get a vaccine at, say, 20, 25 percent effective at, at preventing the virus. So it seems a long way off if this is actually, an, as we said earlier, if this is actually an emergency decision, <clears throat> putting it in October is not really an emergency action. Yeah, I didn't uh, get that either. Although then when I spoke to a couple of them, the, it's my understanding that because of October means you have to have had the second shot. So many of them that I've, I've tried to speak with say it's really the end of this month. So they have two weeks and then they have to get the first shot. But I'll, I'll say this. Now, when I was at the, uh, and again, folks, our segment is politics this week with me is Justin Katz managing editor, anchorrising.com. When I was at the press briefing, I was trying to say to Governor McKee and Dr. Scott at the time that there's a percentage of people that regard, they just won't get the vaccine. And this is nationwide. And I think the slogan they're using this time around is it's time. I don't think they fully understand how, and people have assorted reasons why they won't get it, but it, it, it doesn't mean they're Trump supporters um, some of the reasons I, I have to admit, I, I don't think they make sense. They, they, they're afraid. They think something's going to happen to them. Um, some of them are very dug in like this is the hill to die on. Uh, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go die on my own terms. And my question is, why does anyone have to die? Um, I, I, I'm, I just, there's a lot of apprehension and people have this thing in their mind of the government is going to force something on their body. It, I, I, I try to explain millions of people have gotten it. I can understand maybe you don't like the thought of it, but in the end, is it really worth, you know, risking to lose your job over it? And I don't think, Justin Katz, I don't think the governor and Dr. Scott fully understand either that or they don't care, but just how dug in people are and also the danger when it becomes the group. You know, we will not be broken. We will stand up. We will be united against this. Um, I think people just start getting way over their skis on, like, let's take a step back. Like, what what is this that you're really fighting against? So, but go ahead, your thoughts. Well, yeah, I think, well, you raise a good point. I, there's a lot of simplicity in how people are looking at this. I survey the other day, uh, one of the higher groups of, of reluctant among whom, uh, who are reluctant enough to, to get the vaccine? They're people with PhDs, so and and minorities. So as as you say, you're not talking the the angry white Trump supporter uh, right. on all these counts. Um, and I th I think if they paused and looked at the people who are actually actually opposing it and some of the reasons people are actually giving, you know, when you get off say a Facebook argument and actually dig into it there's a whole other way to approach this rather than mandates you know the state could supply individual counseling for people to, who have questions or not counseling yes but, uh, you know just here's our hotline if you are a health care yeah. worker who has concerns here's who you can talk to that's that's a much healthier way to go about it and as i say if, if a local if a if a hospital say wants to impose it or impose it on certain employees and certain wings, uh, that I could understand. Uh, but the the top down, it, it's it's like they've got no, you know, government is a blunt instrument, and they they if you want government control, which I think is what they actually want, they want 
as I said earlier, they did what they really what really comforts them is knowing government can impose these things. Uh, and so once you're there, you, you stop seeing people as people. They just they have to go along and you've got no other way to do it but to mandate it. Folks, another quick break. A lot more. Justin Katz, managing editor at AnchorRising.com. Our segment is Politics This Week right here on the John DePietro Show. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them, 401 272 3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police, fill out a police report. If the tow truck shows up, tell them, let's get this vehicle over to West Fountain, 401-272-3340. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, I want to pivot into uh, Mayor Lorza, who, by the way, has $1 million, apparently, in his campaign account, still planning on running for governor. But I think um, with all the violence we've heard this summer in Providence, it's obviously dominated the headlines. They had the emergency meeting last week. I think this is one of those things that when he and his team sat down, and, you know, started banting about now he hasn't officially announced for governor, but I think whether he likes it or not, uh, the the amount of violence, crime in the city of Providence, which seems to fall onto him, um, he may want to try to escape it. I don't think he does. And something as simple as, you know, this is someone that actually thought I think he's an example of failed progressive policies but he you know is still looking at a way maybe will you legalize those atv slash dirt bikes that account for so much feeling of lawlessness and chaos of the city and he he just seems to even refuse that it's the problem that it is it it kind of to me it is symbolic of a, of a larger problem that he has instituted in the city no one talks about the sanctuary city part but but i i just don't I, he may not like it, but I think he owns this 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 image of lawlessness and crime. Oh, I think without question. And I, what constantly surprises me, and I guess it's it it's inevitable with the progressive policies that that Alorza is pursuing and and believes in apparently wholeheartedly. It, this doesn't have to be a problem for him. It can be an opportunity. I mean, right. if he, he's out there saying, you know, what's the quote? We're safer than we have ever been. Right, well, I guess depending how you define safe, I mean, murders are up more than double this year from last year. Um, that doesn't feel safer than we've ever been. But assaults and other stuff are still down. But whatever the case, this is about perception. And it, I, what I was thinking of is imagine a imagine a store, a company like a, a breakfast cereal company, and they start getting headlines about rat parts in their food. They're not going to come out and go, oh, we don't have any more rat parts than our competitors. <laughs> no, they're going to come out and say, they might say that, but they'll also say, here's what we're doing to make yes. you feel even more secure. And that's, right. that's there's so much opportunity for him Good to point. be out there getting headlines saying, I, I, I don't agree that things are dangerous here. It's very safe. I went out with my family last night. But here's what we're doing to make sure to drive the point home. And it's almost like he's boxed in from that because of his progressive beliefs, because you can't do he can't have, say, community police officers strolling down the street as as used to be done once upon a time just to be present, talking with people, you know, whatever it might be. Um, He can't do that. He can't crack down on criminals. He can't try to force the. the ATV folks off the road in a, in a uh, more, more stronger way than 
than speed bumps. Uh, that is, and I think that's that's really goes to the heart of the problem. This this could be an opportunity, and the, the perception, especially when it comes to safety uh, and security, the perception is important. It's not, you know, we're not school children to be corrected. There, there are people making life decisions, businesses making business decisions based on perception. And they're not going to want to hear, oh, it's only murders that have doubled. You know, that's not going to answer the their concerns. One thing um, about Mayor Lorza as he may seek, you know, decide to try to run for governor is, you know, no politician is perfect, Justin Katz, but I, I just don't remember the last time I'd have to either go back to, you know, maybe at the time Governor Chafee, but Mayor Lorza is, I, I know they all have talking points, but I just don't remember the last time someone, he never he really answers a question. He can talk for five minutes and, and it doesn't even mean anything or say anything. It It's incredible how he will just wax on, on these philosophies about community and and uh, diversity and this other stuff and never really come out and say anything. And I, I just, I mean, to me, he's just so ineffective as the mayor slash manager of the city because he won't address some of the basic needs and instead always just wants to go into these, you know, philosophical discussions of how it could be. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's because he can't because he doesn't, even the solutions. He, he believes the solutions are the problem. And you, you can see this in other progressive uh, politicians in the state, now, like right now, for example, Providence Representative Tiara Mack. Uh, you know, yes. I think she was saying, she was trying to argue that you know most assaults are people who know each other. And so what we need to do is offer counseling and more money in schools and that kind of thing. And it's oh. just, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's almost beside the point. The, the, yeah. the problem here, it's a unique problem separate from domestic assault when somebody is killed by accident in a drive-by shooting or when somebody's dragged from her car and beaten for honking at, at bikers. You know, that's, that's a very different, you're not going to, no amount of schooling or social work is going to stop that. And if that's the perception people have, that is the problem. But to them, uh, objecting to that is the problem at some at some level well you shouldn't have honked at the hoodlums and I'm, I'm trying to get my my mind around this especially as as a com- contrast with covid right i mean with covid the numbers go up a little bit and everybody panics suddenly it's cracked down in martial law uh with with murders apparently we excuse it and all i can think of is that to some extent, the the lawless people are almost like a constituency, or at least the people who believe in the lawless people, the you know kind of t- typically white progressives, um, are a constituency that wants wants to coddle this kind of behavior for some some ide- ideological reason, and it's it's very bizarre, but but that's where we are, and, and somehow they're they're winning. I don't know if it's just you know, billions of dollars in out of state progressive money or what, but um, it's it's a puzzle for sure. And not only that, I thought City Council President of Providence, John Igliosi, he had a good line of, we need to send a message that criminals are not welcomed in the city. And God, my God, it seemed like refreshing. But all I think of is all we keep hearing this message of like everyone's going to be included and everyone's part of the solution. Everyone's going to feel welcome. It, it just actually, to me, it resonated with me that someone's finally saying, let me just be very clear. Criminals need to be told they're not welcome to come into the city. Justin Katz, before I ask you about redistricting, which is a story that's probably going to remain below the radar a little bit. It's it's a little bit of inside baseball, but it shouldn't be. But I did want to also uh, throw in the fact that um, it was interesting last week. There was a couple of stories that came out about, you know, they, we got more information about the census and the population of the state. And what is your thought that in the reporting that I saw, as much as they would put, you know, population in Central Falls grew 40 percent or population in Central Falls and Providence grew high and Latino population is now 25 percent of Providence. Justin, at no point do they mention the fact that it's illegal immigration that is behind it. Let's be honest. It's not like you have these Latino families from other states that are just relocating to Providence because there's, you know, a new new factory, a new job, new companies. No one would mention the fact that th- that is all basically due to 
they shows you the extent of how much illegal immigration is impacting the population and uh, makeup of of Rhode Island. Yeah, it's it's a it's another mystery why why that well it's not really <laughs> that that should be a bigger part of any conversation right I mean we even even COVID I, I had posts up this week on Anchor Rising about uh first I looked that there's no evidence so far that the Delta variant or anything is increasing the percentage of of all cases and hospitalizations that are children there's just we're not seeing that evidence in Rhode Island it may be the case but there's no numbers somebody has to show me the numbers for that but there is. You could make the case that uh, illegal immigration is is part of the reason for our our increase because of the number of, of uh, you know the, the racial makeup of the of who's getting COVID now. Uh, that is a possible case you could make. What uh, looking at the numbers, but nobody ha- we're just not allowed to have that discussion. I mean, nobody's as far as I've seen, uh, nobody's no reporters have tried to force McKee to answer the question. Do you know? Uh, there are reports that the Biden administration is sending illegal immigrants throughout the country. Right. Do you know how many have come to Rhode Island? There's not, nobody's even asking that question. It's like it's just a topic we're not allowed to, to ask. And I think this, to me, it goes back to a, a, what I've, I've long called the, uh, the plantation state or the, the, uh, the government plantation, our company state, where uh, the, you have no real industry, no real reason for people to come here. And so what happens is government becomes the central industry and the business model is to have to import recipients for government services so that you can tax others or get money from the federal government to pay for that. Uh, that's a lot of what's happening here. And it's so, I think, so central to not only the, the beliefs, but even the kind of the economic model a lot of people in government and government satellites are following that you, they just don't want to talk about it because that's they know it's happening and it's happening deliberately. Um, why other people aren't angry about it? That I, I don't know. Maybe just they they just don't want to put those pieces together because they'll be called racist or something like right. that. Right. It's just to me, it could have been a headline of this is one of the when you offer and truly run a sanctuary city, which Mayor Lords is doing. This is what happens. You. It works. People will come and reside there and, and go there. It's it's like you have a store that you put your open for business sign out. And guess what? Business is good. It's now 25 percent of the population. Justin Katz, finally, you know, there is some debate about the redistricting and parts of the northern part of the state. More people seem to be moving to. Um, as I said, it's somewhat inside baseball. This is redistricting. This was when um, it was. It was back when Gordon Fox was the speaker and Congressman Cicilline was, you know, negotiated with him to give him more of Providence and change that. He wanted more Providence and cut Langevin out to get more of a base. But anything, any thoughts so far on the reaction as they're about to start these this redistricting? Well, it's always a it's always a puzzle to me the way they do it. It, it just seems so unnecessarily complex. Yeah. Um, and, and it does create safe districts that nobody can ever win. in. I will say on the other hand, if I, if I look at the people who are, were appointed uh, by the Senate president and the, um, and the house speaker, it's a, it's a more, at least a more balanced uh, committee yes. uh, looking at it than I would have expected. And I think that's why you see, as we, uh, we mentioned before, it's progressive Senator Tierra Mac uh, very upset about it because it's, it's not the far left uh, right. ram through rigged, uh, rigged districts thing that, uh, that the progressives would have wanted. And that, that's an interesting thing uh, to keep an eye on. And I wonder if part of it is uh, they, they really, at this point, moderate to conservative Democrats have to be concerned that progressives are coming for that. So I, I wonder if what we'll see is, is much less of a Republican Democrat thing um, than a, a progressive moderate thing as, as they try to make moderate, keep moderates safe because uh, otherwise, at some point, they might start flipping to Repu- Republicans because uh, there'll be no benefit to being in a Democrat primary because you'll be you'll just be ousted by a progressive. But I, I think that might be the fight they're gearing up toward. Folks, the, he is the managing editor at AnchorRising.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, great job. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Have a wonderful week, everybody. For all your tree needs, call the tree trimming experts in Lincoln. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today for a free quote, 401 
439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. Fully insured tree removal company with a licensed arborist. Yankee Tree Service, they provide various tree services, including tree removal, pruning, land clearing, stump grinding, and bobcat service. Check out their website, yankeetreeservice.com. Whether it's for tree removal or stump grinding, Yankee Tree Service provides stump grinding so you can enjoy your landscape without the eyesore of old stumps. Tree pruning. You know, many times a tree just needs to be pruned instead of completely cut down. The licensed arborists with Yankee Tree Service, they'll help you decide what's the best treatment plan for your tree. Emergency service or bucket truck service. They'll get up in the bucket. Call Yankee Tree Service today for a free quote. 401 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, remember, if you want to get a hold of me, the easiest thing to do is log on to my website, depetro.com, D E P E T R O.com. Now, there, you can, if you want to listen to the program, listen live. You can also contact me that way. That's the easiest way to get me an email if you'd like to advertise on the show. We also have all our links to social media. We have uh, links to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or also on YouTube. You can also read many of the exclusive stories that we do. We have exclusive video. You can also shop and get some of the merchandise. And at the same time, if you ever miss an episode of the John DePietro Show, if you ever miss a segment, you just log on and right at the top, it says radio show. Click onto that. It'll bring you right there and you can listen. It's all in a library fashion. It all starts by logging right on at DePietro.com. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA, Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies you can depend on. On MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401 431 2300. 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today, MEGA Logistics, 401 431 2300. J. Perry Paving. Always provides high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service. Residential, commercial, seal-coating patios, get your driveway paved. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. 20 years' experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and general masonry projects. J. Perry Paving, they offer free estimates. Call them today at 401-732-1730. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. It's J. Perry Paving. Get your driveway paved. And if you're a veteran, no one has a better package for veterans than J. Perry Paving. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, J. Perry Paving has your back. Check out the benefits of investing in asphalt paving. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. Call them for a free quote today. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving, license insured contracting company. They will meet your needs no matter how big or how small. And no one treats veterans better than J. Perry Paving. Call them today, 401 401- 732-1730-401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. 